That's our heart's desire, that's our goal, and we've been talking through the book of Jonah and looking at how Jonah was running from God. He was uh, not giving him his whole heart. In fact, he was heading the opposite direction, and that's a series we've been in, Why Me, Why Them? And uh, again, just such a delight to worship together. I, it's a special Sunday for me because I have a lot of family in town. My uh, son Ethan was married yesterday, and uh, fun celebration together, and so it's brought in different ones out of town, and so what a, what a joy to, to be able to gather with them. If you're a guest with us, I didn't mention this earlier, but if you're with us for the first or second or third or fourth time and you've never filled out a Connect card, if you would, in the seat that's in front of you, there's a little card there that lets us know a little bit about uh, your visit with us. If you'll fill that out, and then we have a guest services desk, just take that out there after service, and we have a gift that we'd like to pass along to you. And again, just want to say welcome and, and glad that you're here this morning. This series, Why Me, Why Them? That's really kind of Jonah's question, right, with God. Why me? Why are you asking me to do this? And why are you asking me to go to them, those people, the Ninevites of all people? Why me, why them? And, and the, the challenge is that Jonah's response to God telling him, Jonah, a prophet of God, his, his job, his role, his calling was to obey the word of the Lord that when God gave him a message was to speak it. That's, that was it. The simplicity and yet the difficulty that Jonah was faced with in that. That he was, his, his job was to hear from God and then and speak out what it was that God wanted him to speak. And, and so Jonah's in this difficult decision. He gets a message from God that he's supposed to proclaim. He doesn't like that message because he doesn't like the Ninevites. And he doesn't want the Ninevites to be saved, he wants them judged. And so uh, Jonah just runs the opposite direction. And as uh, Joy shared last week, uh, did such a marvelous job sharing with us. Joy, thank you. Yes, it's like it was a timed entrance or something, Joy. Uh, she did such a wonderful job sharing last week about how one of the things she pointed out is that when we sin, we don't sin alone. That we may decide to uh, take our life in a certain direction, but it's not just us who are affected by that. There's other people that are in the boat with us. So we just don't make a decision and it doesn't affect anybody else. We don't, when we sin, we don't sin alone. It affects other people. It spills into other people's lives. So even if it's just in what we call our secret life or our private life, <clears throat> in time, there is God's bringing all things into light. He doesn't live in darkness or in shadows. So everything comes into the light. And so even if it's something that we think, well, that's not affecting other people because I'm not telling other people. It's just my secret, my own little thing that I keep to myself. In time, it spills out. It affects the way that we look at other people and, and the, way, the lens through which we view them, the, the way that we speak to other people, the, the way we interact, our relationships. So even when we think, we say to ourselves, this, this isn't going to affect anybody else. This is just my choice and what I'm doing. The, the problem is, is just like Jonah, we don't sin alone. It does affect other people. And that was one of the other things that Joy pointed out, that we've all been in the boat as Jonah running from God or as the sailors affected by Jonah's decision. We've all experienced that. We've all had that experience of either we've been Jonah and we've been the one who's been turning away from the face of God, and we've been going down, 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 away from God, and, and we get on the boat, and we make our decisions, or 
We've been like the sailors. They didn't know what was going on. When this big storm comes up, they start heaving all their cargo off the ship because they think we're going we're gonna to end up in the bottom of the ocean because of this, this great storm that's come upon us. But the one thing they didn't realize, and I, I love how Joy stated this so, so eloquently, so clearly, the heaviest thing in that boat was Jonah's sin, and they didn't even realize it. They could have thrown every bit of cargo and still had the same problem because the heaviest thing on that boat at that time was Jonah's sin. And so until he was off the boat, it wasn't going to get resolved. So they even tried paddling to shore and it wasn't going to work. So they, they tossed him off the boat. And maybe you've been in that situation where you didn't even realize it, but somebody else's decisions were affecting your life. And, and there they were in the, in the boat, and Jonah's decision to run from God was, was causing disruption. They lost all of their cargo. Their, their ship was about to be sunk. And then they follow through. Jonah gets off the boat, and they make vows, and they, they cry out to God, and they declare to him. They, they have a conversion experience and come to God in that moment. And so the, the important thing to remember out of that is that other people, even if they sin, even if your life is being affected negatively, and you're being influenced negatively by somebody else's decision, that person doesn't get to decide the course of your life. God will decide the course of your life. It may, it may impact you. It may hurt. It may feel disappointing. It may even uh, put your life at risk at times. But ultimately, God is not going to allow somebody else to have the direction for your life. He's going to have say about what happens in your life. So you, you don't None of us will have this position when we stand before God. None of us will be able to say, well, I couldn't do what you wanted me to do because this person wouldn't let me. <laughs> no, nope, that'll never be any of our responses. All of our responses before God will be, God will say, what did you do with what I gave you? However wide or however limited that is, what did you do with what I gave to you? And we'll all just have to be accountable for that. So he's not asking you to be accountable for somebody else's bad choices or influences in your life. But he is asking you, be accountable for what he's put into your life and what he's given you, and be a steward of that. So, we've all been in the boat as Jonah's running from God or as the sailors affected by Jonah's decision, but we all have the opportunity, just like the sailors, to keep our eyes and to turn to God and to give to him ourselves. Well, this, this morning, we're going on to chapter 2, and uh, chapter 2, the whole chapter is a song that Jonah wrote from inside the fish. And so we're going to look at Jonah's song. It's his uh, come to Jesus moment before Jesus came to the earth, uh, where Jonah just, uh, just realized that he, he needed to turn things around. And so let's pray as we come to the scriptures this morning and ask the Holy Spirit just to awaken our hearts and minds to what he wants to say. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are a teacher beyond... Uh, any human teaching. So I pray a couple things. One, that you would allow me to speak uh, what matters most to you. And so I give you myself that you would use me as um, just an instrument through which you can share what you want to communicate. And then going beyond what I can communicate, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are giving understanding. You're illuminating this passage of Scripture and bringing greater understanding. Uh, you're highlighting areas of each of our lives, very specifically and very individually. Thank you 
And right now, we give you permission and we give you access, as that song said, to our whole heart. Uh, We let down places where we had normally guard off from you, Holy Spirit, and we just invite you to speak to us, to lead us, to guide our thinking and our affections as we hear from you and in the Word. In Jesus' name, amen. So the portion of Scripture we're going to look at this morning actually begins at the end of Jonah chapter 1 because what happens is he's thrown off the boat. That's kind of where we left off as he, he was at that point. The, the storm was going to uh, shipwreck them and then they're moving forward. And so the end of Jonah 1 is what happens when he gets thrown off the boat. And so let me give this little, little snippet at the front end. There's all kinds of views about whether Jonah could have actually been swallowed by a fish. There are those who are saying, it's not possible, it's figurative, it's illustrative and of, of God gathering him up and, and delivering him to Nineveh to accomplish what he wanted to do. There's others who are saying, absolutely, he was swallowed by the fish. He, it's something God is capable of doing, and so that's the way, that's the way it happened. My goal this morning isn't to debate with you either way, although Jesus recognized this story and said, just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days, so the Son of Man, right, he goes on and alludes to his own death and and resurrection. And so Jesus acknowledges it and kind of gives it credibility. That's not the focal point. I don't want us to get lost on that. Uh, I'm comfortable with Jonah being swallowed by a big fish. Again, i I just have this uh, belief that God can do some really crazy stuff, <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm fully confident that's, that's the way it happened. But let's not get hung up there because that's not the whole focus of the story. That's not where God is, is intending for us to, to zero in and have debates about whether fish can eat people or not, and people can survive being in bellies of fishes. It begins with this idea of Jonah being thrown overboard. And it says, Jonah begins in Jonah 1.7. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And we move on to chapter 2, where in there Jonah writes his song. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All of your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me, seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down, the earth beneath barred in me forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Anytime I can say vomited in a passage of Scripture, that's a great passage of Scripture 
when you can throw out vomited in there and get that out there. I may say it three or four more times this morning. If you have a queasy stomach, this may be one you want to just plug your ears for a moment. But the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. This song that Jonah puts together from inside the fish, it's a song that outlines his experience of turning from God, going down to the depths, to his life is just about snuffed out. His life is just about over. And then from in that moment where it's out, all of a sudden he has this, I will recognize again that God is God and I will turn my face towards Him. And, he rec- and in that moment when he does that, God begins to bring him up out of the deep just as his life was about gone. He had his coming to God moment, his life fading away. And it's interesting how we see this so many times in Scripture. And, and I think it's important because that's the experience that many of us have. It's this calling out to God in our moment of desperation. The Scriptures identify something that every one of us has experienced. In fact, we, we actually have termed it that, right? Our coming to Jesus moment, right? Even, even in, in uh, just the culture around us, I've, I've heard it referred to it like uh, in, in just television moments. It's our coming to God moment or coming to Jesus moment. It's kind of this little uh, saying that people use of, I awaken to my senses. It's, 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 I knew something had to change. So Jonah had this moment. And there's another book of the Bible, well known, where this individual is having turmoil with God and then he's awoken to the reality of God's presence as well, where it changes. And and that book is Job. Job wasn't like Jonah, uh, where he was running from God. Job was serving God. In fact, he was very faithful to God. And he began to experience persecution and hardship. And so his friends, air quotes, started giving him counsel about what he had done wrong and how he needed to address the situation. And Job, in the midst of that, is terribly frustrated. He says, I've been a righteous man. All of you, all of my friends are accusing me of doing something wrong, and all of you are, are wrong. I've been righteous in my approach. And then he gets to this point where he's just frustrated. He says, the problem is God has been unfair to me. God has not dealt with me according to my righteousness. He's acted unjustly towards me. He has this complaint against the way that God is responding to him. So Jonah was troubled with God's willingness to forgive the Ninevites, Job was upset that God was not treating him fairly. But, but here's the coming to God moment that Job had. And I'm just going to read it. It won't be up on the screen, so I'll, I'll read it. But you'll, you'll hear what God's response was to Job in that moment. Job's complaint rises to the Lord. You're treating me unfairly. And then Job 38, 1-11 says this. And I'll just read a portion of God's response to Job. It says, then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. Interesting, isn't it? Another storm, just like Jonah, right? Time of turbulence, tur- time of turmoil. The Lord spoke to Job out of the storm, and he said, Who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? And this one, right? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. How many of us want to hear that from God, right? <laughs> Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Um, And and I just have to hear sarcasm in this because it's written 
kind of thick in there with God giving stern, corrective sarcasm. You shall answer me. He asked Job, where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand who marked off its dimensions. Surely you know who stretched a measuring line across it. On what were its footings set or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness. When I fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place. When I said, this is, this is far, you may come and no further. Here is, your, uh, here is where your proud waves halt. God's confronting Job because Job's saying, you're not fair with me. You're not treating me righteously. God's response, brace yourself. I have a question for you. Um, um, do you could you tell me where you were at when I was actually creating everything? Were, were you and I consulting together on this? Uh, when, when the waves were coming up to the shore and I created dry land and I said, the waves are not going to come any farther than this, was that you and I who were sitting together, kind of thinking that over? And I really liked your ideas in that, Job, you know. You had some real smart ideas there. No, God sarcastically, but very sternly and directly is saying, you were nowhere. I didn't consult with you. I didn't consult with any man. And so Job has this sovereign moment where he holds his tongue. And he says, God, you're sovereign. And so it goes, Job raising these questions to God, saying, you're not doing right by me. But God's firm and clarifying response, he says, and you are who? This is important, and it was important for Jonah, too, to come to this gripping reality as he's plunging down to the deep, his life ebbing away. And I think every one of us has a moment, and if you haven't, there will be some point in your life. Whether it's physically your life is ebbing away or just your soul is ebbing away, you just see yourself going down to the deep. There is this moment where you realize, I am not in control. There is one who is in control and I'm not him or I'm not her. God has the ability to raise my life up. And if he so chooses that this is the time that my life doesn't raise up, I also trust him with my life and death as well. That he is the one who is sovereign. In every person, and I've seen this in myself, there is a dark seed of arrogance that has the potential to take root and grow into defiance against God. In every person, every one of us, there is this pride that says, I have the right to my life, my way. And I would choose that over God's way, given the opportunity. And it is God's grace, and I want us to see this, it is God's grace that we are given a perspective of His supremacy and our humanity. It is a grace of God, it is a kindness and mercy of God that He allows us to see His supremacy and our humanity. To put life in its perspective. Am I saying that every affliction and everything you have is because God wants to show that He's in control? Absolutely not. I don't believe that. I believe we live in a world that has disease and brokenness and sickness and, and hurt and pain. Much of what we experience isn't at God's hand, it's our hand against one another and things that we've introduced into the world. 
But there has to come this recognition that I am not stuck at the, exp- at the uh, expense of everything that everybody else has done, that ultimately God has sovereignty in my life and I can trust Him. Just as Jonah was going out into the deep and didn't know what his life would hold, this song raises up and says, I've run from God, I've gone down to the deepest parts, but, but I will lift my eyes to God. Regardless of how deep I'm going, I'm going to lift my eyes up to God, for He is the one who can save me. Just like Job, who had this question, I, why is it this stuff is happening to me? Why is it that you're acting unrighteously? And God just sarcastically, but firmly, mercifully tells Job, you weren't there when all of this was created. Mind yourself, you're just a man and just a woman. You have your own limitations. So set your eyes on me and trust me. Trust my heart for you that I care about you, and I can care for your life more than you can. It is God's grace that we're given a perspective of His supremacy and our humanity. I think without it, we would have surely run our lives aground, and many of us have. We've taken control of our lives, and we said, I want to run my life this way, God, not your way. I want to run it this way, and I don't like the way that your word tells me or the things that you're telling me. I want to do it my way. And we've run it aground and we've got into storms. But then when we come to the end of ourselves, and sometimes that's much farther underwater than we ever wish it would have been. And we have, other times we have family members, sons or daughters or siblings, parents, others who we just think, where's the end for them going to be? When will they finally call out and cry out to God? But each of us comes to that point where we have to, reach what it is that we finally say is the end of ourselves so that we're willing to turn our eyes to God and say, yes, Lord, I'm done with trying to do this myself. I'm going to turn my eyes to you. This is what happens with Jonah in the belly of the fish. Jonah comes to his senses and he makes this declaration. Verse 8, he says, those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. It's interesting because I think in that perspective, Jonah has two points of salvation, his own. Salvation comes from the Lord to bring him up, out. But at some level, Jonah had to deal with this idea that the salvation for the Ninevites, whether it was going to happen or not, was going to come from the Lord. It wasn't going to be on Jonah's terms. He wasn't going to be, be able to determine whether God extended salvation to the Ninevites or not. He, just by withholding or running from God, he had to come to this realization, God is going to save. He's, he wants to reach these people, so he's going to use me or he's not, but it really sits in the hands of God. So Jonah has this, this coming to God moment in the fish that says, Lord, you're the, one who, you're the only one who can save me at this point. I've reached the depths. And he also is the one who says, Lord, only you can determine whether or not the Ninevites are going to be saved or not. And so I'm willing to fulfill the vow which I've made, which is to be a prophet. You've called me to be your voice, to carry your message to the people, called me to speak. It's not my voice. It's not my message. That which I vowed, I will make good. And that brings us to the second thing I want to highlight up here is we don't have to necessarily agree with God to obey him. Now, this is a tough one because we say, don't, 
Don't we have to, in order just to really please God and, and make God happy with us, don't we have to agree with Him on everything? And yes, ideally, we say yes to what God says yes to. But we have a picture here with Jonah, who if you read the end of the story, he still doesn't agree with God. He's still angry that God loves the Ninevites enough to proclaim a message to them. He doesn't get on board with God's message. In fact, his proclamation, I'm foretelling, but his gospel message is no gospel message. (laughs) It's a very short message. It's almost like God's doing it in spite of Jonah. He includes Jonah, but he does it in spite of Jonah. We don't necessarily have to agree with God to obey him. It helps, but it's not always required. How how do we know this? Let, Let me ask you this. How many of you, when there was something you didn't like when you were younger, let's say you're eight or nine years old, or maybe you have children that are around that age, you've had kids that are that age, and your parents told you to do something you didn't like or you didn't want to do. And so what did you say? Why do I have to do that? And altogether, what did the parents say? Because I said so. Right? Because I said so. And that was a good enough answer. You didn't have to go into all the backstory of why jumping off the side of the house with a cape was going to be a bad idea from the second story that you, well, let me give you the geometric uh, angles and the velocity and force in which you'll hit the ground and let me describe how your bones can handle, how much pounds you know, you, you know, can handle before they snap. You didn't have to go into all that. You said, don't do it, you'll get hurt. But why can't I? Because I said so. That was enough. You knew better than your child. Or if it was your parents telling you that, you had to just say, I don't like their answer, but I'm going to have to live with it. Now, it's a weak illustration because sometimes as parents, I told my kids because I said so, and I really didn't have a very good reason. (laughs) I just didn't want to debate with them about it. I just wanted to, you know, have them do what I asked. The, the, the way this breaks down is that God is always right. God can see from before time began, and He can see through the rest of eternity. He can see the whole scope of it. So it doesn't mean that you have to understand and totally agree with what it is that God's asking you to do. What you do have to understand is that He knows far better than you or I do, that He sees the whole scope. And so, I said so can be enough for you and I just to follow through and do what he asks us to do. This is a tough one for Jonah. Why? Why the Ninevites? I hate these people. They're despicable, arrogant, violent people. And you already have your beloved people, your chosen people. Why don't you just focus on us? Why don't you just love us and allow us to be the light that you've called us to be? Why don't you just put your blessing on us and judge them? Why are you wanting to bless them? Why are you wanting to love them and show them mercy? It never made sense to Jonah. He never got there. But the place that Jonah did get to is saying, that which I vowed, I will fulfill. May you and I have that point, that point of response to be able just to say, God, I don't understand it all, but I do have clarity about what you're asking me. In the scriptures, there's some things that 
You have given me direction in life. And I may have feelings about it. I disagree with it. You're asking me to reconcile with somebody that it's going to be difficult to reconcile with. And I feel resistant to that. But I know you're asking me to. And I'm asking why. But I don't have to understand it all to be able to obey it and follow through with it. And this is the last thing I want to bring up out of that. The first step to deliverance is obedience. The first step to deliverance, the first step to the freedom and and breaking out. And for Jonah, the first step that he needed to take to get out of the fish and to get out of the depths of the sea was to say, yes, Lord, I'm going to stop running from your face, being in your presence, and going farther and farther away, and I'm going to turn towards you and I'm going to say, yes, I will fulfill that which you've called me to. Jonah didn't like the fact that as a prophet, his job wasn't to pick the messages. His job was simply to deliver them to whoever God told them to deliver it to. So far, we've looked at Jonah and we've said, you know, what a putz. <laughs> Running from God, not doing, causing these sailors to get, get in, you know, put their lives in danger. But here's a moment I think we could all look at and go, you know what? For all your faults and all the ways you didn't get it right, Jonah, you said, I'll fulfill that for which God has called me to do. I'll follow through with the message that God has told me to proclaim, even though I don't like it, even though I don't understand it. And that obedience was the first step to his deliverance out of the whale. For many of you this morning, I believe that there's some things that you're just wrestling with in your heart whether it's something in Scripture or something that God has already asked you to do. And we can reason so well. Well, you don't ask them to do that or they don't have to do that. How come you're asking me to do that? And the first step isn't to argue with God about it, but to be able to say, you know what, I'll do it because you asked me to do it. My vow as a follower of Jesus Christ has been, has, is that I've said, I will be your disciple, Jesus. I will follow you where you go and where you want to lead me. And that's even, as we see in scriptures and throughout church history, that's even to the point of death. Physical death, but even just a death to self. My own identity and my own vision of what life should hold. And so, that can be our response this morning. And in fact, I think it needs to be, if you've been in a place where you've been desiring breakthrough in your life, I talked about it earlier in the service in worship. Sometimes we just say, God, I need breakthrough. I need breakthrough. I need breakthrough. And we stand firm in our decisions and what we, the life that we've created for ourselves. And all the while, God said, I want you to take a step towards me in this area. You know, the way you, you've held on to that desire and that it's become kind of this idol in your life. This, it has a heightened value in your life. And I want you to be able to release it to me. Maybe it's the type of entertainment that you have. Maybe it's a person that you have had difficulty forgiving and and letting go. Maybe it's the way that you use your money. You're a consumer and you reflect the values of the world more than you reflect the values of the kingdom. Maybe it's this embarrassment that I don't want to I don't want to do things. I don't want to pray for people. I don't want to step in. God's told me to share scriptures with people or to pray for people. But I don't want to be embarrassed by that. And so you haven't experienced the breakthrough of the kingdom of God working through your life of 
people being healed or having word of knowledge or a prophetic word just because you've been so pulled back from it all. And your breakthrough, your opportunity to step deep into the kingdom of God and just see life break out through you is just by simply saying, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, that which you've asked me to do, I'm going to do it. I'm going to step out and respond to you in that moment.